So uh, this is the part of the service that we are going to read some verses in the Bible, and we're going to chew over it and then get a chance to respond. My licked stream. There we go. So I've called this talk this morning, Stepping Into Freedom. I want to start just by asking, how does that title speak to you this morning? And for, for me, that phrase, freedom, has meant loads of things as I have grown up. Uh, it's meant my first trip out with my friends to Glasgow from secondary school, where we got the train, and I was independent, and I got like 10 pounds to go and get a CD, and I thought, yes, freedom, freedom. Or it was going, heading at 18 years old, off to university, off to Stirling University. I'd planned initially to go to Glasgow, Cali, to travel each, each day in the train. But then last minute I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to Stirling. I'm going to move away. And when I, I was traveling there and I got my little room, I thought, freedom. Yes, come on. Or also getting um, my first flat in Aberdeen, moving into my first flat all by myself, little flat on Justice Street, just off Union Street in Aberdeen, nice and central. Freedom. But that didn't last long because I got married two years later and then Mary changed everything that I had set up in the room, in the, in the house. But it was freedom initially. It was freedom initially. Or getting away for an evening, for our anniversary, or for a meal without our two brilliant little boys. Ah, freedom. But it's also, if I think about my journey, it's getting over my obsession to be a people pleaser. And to leave that at Jesus' feet, freedom. Or it's seeing God heal me from a really bad bout, a really bad season of anxiety, anxious thoughts at every turn. Freedom. You see, each of us right now will have areas of our lives that we long for freedom. Every single one of us. Whether that be past hurts, disappointments, addictions, chronic illness, our mental health struggles, and it's tough. We all have areas where we need freedom. And this wee passage that we're going to look at this morning will hopefully encourage us to God's heart for full freedom for each and every one of us. And some of the environments and that this could occur, what we need to do to pursue freedom, and what the ripples of that freedom can look like for us. God's words, as we unpack God's word in these spaces, it's so rich. He's so desperate to reign over our situations. I'm just really struck by that this morning. God is here. He's moving. He's speaking. He's ministering. He's desperate. He's desperate to meet with us. Those of us who are feeling heavy, those of us who are coming in with questions, burdens, the struggles that seem to just come up again and again and again and again, the slog, the pouring out all the time and we get little back. The expectation, the hurt, the doubt, the pain. This is a space that we can hand it to Jesus. We are, are going through some either cleaning the floors next door, basketball, yeah. A bit of curling maybe or something. We're going through the story of Exodus this morning. So we're continuing our series chapter by chapter. So just to recap, we have Moses. He's the main man in God's rescue plan. Moses, after an encounter with God, and uh, this encounter involving a burning bush, is to go to Pharaoh, this mighty, powerful Pharaoh, who's the king of Egypt. 
And he has held God's people captive in slavery for several hundred years. God has called Moses to bring hope. He is told to go to Pharaoh and to instruct him, let God's people go. But Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And we see Moses' obedience in the plagues that were sent to Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. But Pharaoh's heart, he didn't listen. He didn't listen. Time and time again, he returns to God and is sent with news of another plague. Ten plagues. Each time, Pharaoh's heart was hardened until the last plague. Now, the last plague, which took the life of every Egyptian firstborn, from Pharaoh's firstborn right the way through to the firstborn of livestock. And it's within this passage early on we read of the Passover, this moment where God literally passed over his people, those who sacrificed the lamb and painted the door frames of their their homes with the lamb's blood to, to to save them from God. And as God passed over the homes with the blood of the lamb, It also points to God sending his son Jesus to shed his blood on a cross to defeat sin, defeat death forever. Jesus is our Passover lamb. He paid the price of sin for us. And now we're stepping in to Exodus 12, 31, into this freedom story. And it's time to go for the Israelites. So I'm going to ask Gilbert, he's going to come up and read from God's word this morning and uh, just pray as well. So it's chapter 12, 31 to 42, and the words will be on the screen as well. Thanks, Gilbert. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said, and go. And also, bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. They were were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Amen. Thanks, Gilbert. Thank you. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. May it be, may it just nourish us, Lord, this morning. May it speak into our situations. May it fill us up. May it encourage us. May it challenge us. Thank you. It's a living word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wonderful. So, 
The first point I want to look at this morning is that the opportunity of freedom can often come at inconvenient times. Timing is important, isn't it? In all sorts of circumstances and decisions, should you get the wrong time, it could go terribly wrong. It could go terribly wrong. You can buy, I don't know too much about stocks and shares, but you can buy a stock at the right time, or a share, at the right time, and sell it at the right time. You know, timing is everything in terms of the price is low and sell it when the price is high. You need to start the drums at the right beat, or else the song can be completely off. And guys, you're doing a great job, worship guys. Bless you guys. To get on the roads to work, I'm sure of you, when you I'm sure when you go to work, you know exactly, if you drive or have a bit of a journey, you know exactly the millisecond you need to leave. I have a friend who knows, based on a CBeebies program, when they hear that theme music, they are panicking. They need to get out of the house because they know any minute later they could miss the bus and the whole day could be a knock-on effect. To be delicious, every meal needs to be cooked just right. The right temperature, the right time in the oven, you need to preheat the oven, you need to get that spot on. Now, uh, Great British Bake Off has just started. Is anybody a fan? Yes. There's loads of fans here. You're just too afraid to say. I know. Uh, But I am in awe of Great British Bake Off. And I also get incredibly hungry when I watch Great British Bake Off. But they have to get their timing spot on. Everything has to be methodically noted and planned. And they have all their drawings executed to the second. There's stacks and stacks of notes and plans and their tables are just full of stuff, measuring out stuff. Anything goes wrong, it can all go out the window, literally. There was one guy, I think, who got it so wrong, he literally just took it up and put it in the bin next to his, and just brought an empty plate. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, he just brought an empty plate up. But you know what often throws them in that preparation time? It's the gentle whisper of one of the judges You have a judge called Paul Hollywood, who is the the master bread maker. He's the, you know, the master baker. Everyone knows exactly that he's had years and years of experience. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he comes up to them when they're stressed out, when they're making their stuff. And he goes, they say, oh, I'm going to put it in the oven for 10 minutes. 10 minutes, eh? Hmm, interesting. Or he says, you're adding sultanas to that? Okay. And then just walks away. And you see them just turn to jelly, don't you? You see them doubting, am I going to do what, what I'd planned? Or what, he's thrown a complete spanner in the works. Their plans have been completely thrown out. And they have a choice, don't they? They have a choice. It's either my way, which I've spent ages. I, I baked it before in my house. It went totally right. Or I'm going to listen to Paul Hollywood. You know, if you trust in Jesus this morning, if we fully believe and trust in Him and have Him as our guide and as our friend in this adventure of life, we have got to trust His timings. We have got to trust His timings. And you know what? Often they're not our timings. Often they're not our timings. I was meditating on that this week. Our God is not to be squeezed in to our schedules and conform to our agendas, and to our timings, and to our comfort, and to our control. Because if we do that, trying to do that, we miss out on so much. We miss out on so much. He is God. In Isaiah, it speaks of His ways being greater than our ways, His thoughts greater than our thoughts. 
And this is especially true when it comes to freedom. My timings are not your timings. For the Israelites, they have endured. They have been enslaved. They have been beaten for hundreds of years. It's pretty grim, their story, their experiences, where they are at right now. Can't even begin to imagine. And Moses has been called to set them free. And plague after plague after plague comes the way of Pharaoh. And then, at night, they're summoned to go. Freedom came in the night. Now, there are better times, I'm sure, to be told to leave. Daylight, I'm sure, would have been a lot easier. Would have been a lot handy, handier as they gathered their belongings, as they set off. But the Israelites went. They went. This is what they have longed for. And they went. You know, God might have spoken to us once on a Sunday morning or continually on Sunday mornings as we gather here when someone's perhaps shared a prophetic word spoken into our hearts. But we know we're due to be somewhere after church and we don't want to be late. Or he might have pulled up a little weed of insecurity that he wants us to deal with. But we're on band or we're, we're, we're through it, vineyard kids. Or your kids are stealing all of the cookies. And that's my example. I'm often, God will say, oh, Joshua, <laughs> leave that cookie. You can't have four cookies this morning. Or he might have highlighted in our soul a lie that we have believed and spoken over ourselves. And we know he wants to pour in his truth. But we aren't in the right frame of mind. Or it's not the time or the place. Or we feel a little bit scared of what might happen. Or he might be speaking over our future fears. But perhaps this morning some of us think, actually, I've just sorted that bit of my future. I'll live with the fears. I'll carry that, I'll carry that on. Are we hungry for God to speak into the areas that we need freedom? Are we willing at all times to respond to him? Maybe some of us have been saying, oh, now's not a good time, God. Not now. I'm not ready yet. I'm not able. I'll wait another time. Next Sunday, if, if, if it's said again, I'll do it next Sunday. I promise God. I pinky promise God. I'll wait till somebody asks me. That's what I'll do. I'll wait till somebody says, are you, are you, or I'll wait till somebody gives me a word perhaps until I respond. Or we often say, I'll wait till I get another sign. That's when I'll do it. One more sign, Lord. One more sign. One of our friends used to have a sign in their, pitch, in their kitchen that said, if you're looking for a sign, this is it. And you know, <laughs> I love that sign. Let me tell you why I love that sign. Because if I needed to make a decision, I'd often just pop round for a cuppa. And I'd ask the Lord, I just need a sign. Oh, oh, how convenient. There we go. Sorted. No, I never. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But maybe this is the God prompt that we need this morning. To be a people who respond who are hungry, who run, whatever the time, whatever the inconvenience, into exactly what we know God has called us to. If he is speaking this morning, if there is an inkling of him stirring, let's get up and go. Let's get up and go. Let's trust in his timing. Let's trust in his timing. Secondly, I hope they'll come up on the screen, walking in freedom brings new beginnings. There we go. Brings new beginnings. Now, uh, as you maybe tell from my accent, I'm from just outside Glasgow. It's kind of 
went dulled down a wee bit, but that's, that's where I'm from. But my dad is from Brora, a place called Brora. It's about an hour and a half further north from here, and I encourage you to go there on a little road trip if you, it's a beautiful little village, beautiful little village. So I have Highland blood uh, in me and uh, Highland heritage, and I was brought up going to Brora on our, our summer holidays, and uh, we'd have the long drive up the A9, we'd stop at the little chef at Tamatin, I'd have my Olympic breakfast, that was the highlight, at nine years old I would destroy that Olympic breakfast, we'd have the beaches, we'd have the coal fires, and my granny, uh, she passed away about 15 years ago, and, but I have great memories of summer holidays with her and with her family. And when we go up to Brora, occasionally uh, myself, my wife and our two boys will drive up. I'll always drive past our house and I'll just have a little moment of going, you know, thank you, Jesus, for, for those, that season, for that season of just sweet memories. And uh, my granny used to have a, a little terrier dog called Trixie. And this was her first dog uh, to help really with our, our loneliness and to be a companion for her. She had lots of people in the round, but just, you know, in the quiet moments, uh, a dog just seemed to be the perfect companion for her. And I, Trixie was brilliant. She was a brilliant dog. She was loyal. She was loving. She was a real friend from my gran. The neighbor used to come around and walk her and come back for a cup of tea. And they had this routine that we would invade every summer. And... Uh, as time went on, obviously Trixie got a little bit older, the walk's shorter, she was sleeping more, and sadly she got really poorly and had to be put down. And that was really, really tough on my granny, on seeing her losing her little dog. We uh, decided to get a puppy for her, so we got a, another little dog, and then my, I remember my dad going to get this dog, and it was the same, same breed of dog. And he came back with another dog for us, which my mum wasn't best pleased with. So he had two, two puppies in his hand. But anyway, when it, came, when it came to dogs, Trixie was all that my gran had ever known. It's all that she had ever known. The routine, the food, the walks, the behavior, the nature. And all of a sudden, she is catapulted into this world of the unknown. This, this chaotic puppy. And you could tell my gran was really apprehensive of this, of this new season, this new beginning. But in time, uh, Susie, who's the dog's name, uh, became just such a sweet little dog for my gran. She was the greatest companion for my gran until she passed. It can be difficult, can't it, when something is all we've ever known and change comes. When it looks different. It can be difficult to walk into a new season with hope that it will turn out okay, that it will be okay, that it will survive, that this season of I'm not quite sure what it will look like, but will be okay, that can be tough. That can be tough when things that we've all we've ever known are taken away. And when it comes to walking in freedom, we need to be also careful. We need to be so careful. We see in verse 33, there's a little dialogue in this passage it says, the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. Freedom was coming for these people. No more slaves. But let's just imagine for these people, the Israelites, this is all they have ever known. It's like, yes, let's go. We're free. But what on earth does that mean? Where are we going? What are we doing? It's almost like you can picture some of the Israelites while they're packing up their stuff, you know, just being a bit glazed over or 
just dilly-dallying about and going, you know, what is, oh my goodness, this is actually happening. Where am I, what's going to happen? And And the Egyptians are saying, hurry, hurry, what's taking you so long? Get out of here, you're free. You know, stepping into a new identity, a new purpose, a new season, for some, this might be difficult. And so is ex- it's exactly the same for us. We are carrying things that are so close to us, that are part of us, struggles that actually define and drive us sometimes. And we're afraid of what it means if we're to leave them at Jesus' feet, of what it'll look like. Because for as long as we have known, they have been what have shaped us. Those struggles have been what have carried us, comforted us, lived with us, been us, been with us. Some of us are living like the Egyptians did, captive and slaves like the Israelites did, captive and slaves to a certain way of thinking or captive to lies that the enemy is speaking, that we can't pursue that job or volunteer in that area or speak up over that issue or pray for that person or sing that song. Some of us maybe escape with a drink at night or questionable TV viewing or lustful thoughts. And it's all we've ever known for such a long time. And we're scared, firstly, of what it looks like to bring that out into the light and what will happen. Can I urge us this morning, God makes all things new. He makes all things new. When we walk in freedom, we walk into newness of life. It might have unknowns, but it's directed by a known God. A known God who will never leave us or forsake us. A God who always wants the best for each and every one of us here this morning. A God who doesn't give up on us when we feel like giving up on ourselves. A God who sent his son to die on a cross so we could walk in freedom, live in freedom, and share that freedom. You know, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Some of us need to hear that this morning who are stepping into the unknowns, who don't know what's going to happen in a month's time, a year's time. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future, and it's a firm grip. It's a grip. He will not let go of us. He will not let go of us. And then just finally, it's important to mark the moment. I just want to go through. I've got got some little props this morning, guys. This is exciting. All right, let me get it. Should have been better prepared. They're all buried at the bottom of my bag. We can edit this bit out, guys. Maybe put in some music. Or right, that'll do. Right. We're to mark the moment. It's important to mark the moment. So uh, I just want to go through these. These are bottle corks, and uh, I just want to say what I've written on some of them. Okay, 19th, what does that say? (laughs) 19th of May, 2019, that's when our our dear friends Chuck and Taryn came to visit the church, and they were first visiting speakers over the church, and if you were there with us that weekend, it was was special, it was good. So that says that. 28th of October 2018, that was our first birthday as a church. That's when we gathered round and celebrated and thanked God for the year that we've had, look back and look forward with fresh vision. 
1st of November 2018. That was our staff team when we managed uh, miraculously to employ a little group of people on one-year contracts uh, to enable us to go out into the city, love the city. So we've got a couple of kids pastors uh, and administrator and Mary as well came on off the back of an incredible one-off gift we got given as a church. So that's that one. 19th of December 2017, moving house. That's when we moved house. And our first Sunday service as well, the 22nd of October 2017. That was our first gathering in this school. I've got a few more as well at home. So why am I telling you this? It's important to mark the moment. It's important to mark the moment. Because we had a friend that said to us once, celebrate what you want to replicate. Celebrate what you want to replicate. Mark moments because in life, and we can speak about this, we have had many trials. Many trials and battles and all of us, I'm sure, have, have had moments where we've been deep in the valleys and questions. And it's important that we need to celebrate the breakthroughs, celebrate the wins, celebrate the miraculous. We need to be able, and this is what I do in my study, they're lined up in my bookcase. I'll have moments where I'm going, ah, Jesus, what's going on? Or I don't know what to do. And I'll just turn around, I'll swivel around my chair, and I'll see all the bottle corks lined up. And I'll, sometimes I'll pick them up and just have a wee read through them. And I'll just remember, oh, and just to clarify, we don't drink an awful lot. <laughs> just imagining a bootcase full of bottle corks. <laughs> maybe about seven or eight, over a, like a five-year period. Now, anyway, we'll move on, we'll move on. I swivel around in my chair. When times are tough, when we're having a bit of a tough season, and we'll look back and we'll just read them. And I'll shout Mary up sometimes, or I'll just have a moment with God myself. And I'll say, God, you're so good. God, you are always good. God, you are for me. You are not against me. God, you want good things for me. God, look at what you've done in the past. Right now, I'm where I don't want to be, but I trust in your faithfulness. I see where you've broken through. I see what you're doing. I see that you're using me. And will you just remind me of that? Will you remind me of that? We need to be able to have moments where we swivel around in our chair or have places in our houses where we document where God has broken through, where we can say, actually, let's just take a wee moment and celebrate the wins. Let's celebrate when God miraculously came through because right now we need a miracle. Let's remember when he was with me. Let's remember perhaps it's areas of your story. That's some of the best advice we have ever had. So can I urge us all as a church to do that? To mark the moments in whatever way you see fit. Perhaps it's starting a journal. Perhaps it's collecting bottle corks or cans of Coke, maybe. Iron brew. Collect cans of iron brew. Whatever works. And I'm sure you'll all have creative ways of doing that. And uh, just visual. Just to look and see and celebrate. And we see this with the Israelites. They left Egypt with the bread without yeast. They didn't have time to make the proper bread. So they commemorate that freedom with the festival of unleavened bread, verse 39. We see it with the Passover, verse 14. They have a festival to commemorate and remember what God has done. He has saved them to remember. And Joshua 4 also speaks of setting rocks down to remind people where the Lord crossed the river. It's biblical. It's biblical to mark the moment. So remember what God has done for us. You might be sitting here this morning off the back of a really big victory. A freedom moment. How are you going to mark it? How are you going to make it visible? How are you going to make it stand out to remember when battles come? Because battles do come and they will come. 
Or you might be in the thick of a, a real struggle just now. And the day of freedom might be right now when we take this opportunity to pray. Will we remember to mark this moment today, this date, this service? Let's be a people who step into freedom at all times, trusting and ready to remember. Let's stand.